0: The things that are Revelation, chapter 2, verse 4. The Lord has told the church at Ephesus that he knows your deeds or works. Each of the seven churches he will say the same thing, and each he will say, he that overcomes, he will give something. This is why Martin Luther and the others like him do not like this book. While Luther did not recognize it as scripture, yet Jesus said, anyone who takes from this prophecy, his name will be taken out of the book of life. Most of northern Europe became Lutheran. To answer a Roman Catholic heresy, and this Luther was a Roman Catholic priest, with a heresy is to make one no better off. He was answering the works of the Catholic Church, supposedly, not works in general, but he went too far, and this is why he taught it was to be saved by faith alone, which is not in Scripture. If there is not obedience and fruitfulness, you don't remain a Christian. Our faith alone, the only closest thing we can get is when we repent and come to the Lord, our past sins are removed. Our present sins are covered, as we walk in the light. But if we do not confess our sins, they are not forgiven. So Luther and a few others did not like that. So they did not recognize the book of James. You can understand why. The book of Hebrews and the book of Revelations. Because these are very plain and speak against once saved, always saved and being saved by faith with a license to sin like most of Calvinism believes. Well, they are an error. The Apostle John tells us how to be a present overcomer. Many of the Calvinistic people teach they don't like the book of Revelation. Oh, we overcame when we confessed as Jesus Lord. Well, this is what Scripture says. And it doesn't say it's permanent. See, this is where they they get off. And why do I bring this up? Because the majority of people claim to be Christians believe this nonsense, and they're on their way to hell. Most of Europe and America is Calvinistic or Catholic, and therefore they're lost if they believe these things. And what does John say? Okay. John 4, 4. And you are of God, little children, And have overcome them, that's the false ones, because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. And we know this by the spirit of truth and error. But he eventually says that you have overcome because you believe this. But he doesn't say the overcoming is permanent or future. And this is where the heresies lie. We need to understand this. And you have overcome the false ones. This doesn't mean you overcome in the Christian life and you never have to do anything or obey. This is the heresy that is often answers a heresy. This does not guarantee that one will be an overcomer to the end. This is why some of the Lutherans do not believe those books as being scriptural because they refute the nonsense of faith alone. Jesus says three times. And remember, these are the things that are. They are present tense. And seven times Jesus tells each church how he reward them if they overcome. He never once mentions faith and grace the same as John does it. Because works and obedience and fruit prove that you have grace and faith. Nothing else proves it. And so therefore they wanted to do away with these books and they damned their own souls because Jesus said the name will be taken out of the book of life if they tamper with this prophecy. Well, if you ignore the whole prophecy and say you don't think it's scripture, well, you'll put in that category. Okay? And so it nullifies the notion of once saved, always saved. Jesus said he that endures to the end will be saved, the end of his life. It means he perseveres. He continues and abides, as Jesus said, every branch that continues in me. If it doesn't continue and produce fruit and obedience of spiritual works, he said the Father would cut it off and they would be burned. This is plain as you can get. See, so when people like to dance around these scriptures, as Peter said, then they do it to their own destruction. They were doing Paul's writings, and he, Peter himself, called Paul's writings Scripture. And he said they were twisting it to their own damnation or condemnation. You See, there's some hard things to say Paul does. And we forget. A lot of people elevate Paul's teaching because they pervert his teaching. You see, that's why they do it. They try to make you believe that Paul was superior to the other apostles. He was not. He was given higher revelation during a certain time and for the Gentile world. But Paul had to go up to the church. And James, who was not of the original apostles, he was the half-brother of Jesus. And James was considered the bishop of Jerusalem. Peter was not the pope. And he said, Paul himself, that I went up by command of the Lord, because if he had not gone up to them and told them what he was preaching, he said, I would have run in vain. See, the church would have rejected him, and they had to write. They were the foundation. Paul was not of the foundation. Only the original 12 were of, and the replacement for Judas. Paul was not even saved till six or eight years later. And later on, we find this book here. Finally, Paul, he's put on the side, of the sense, at one time, Paul had more revelation than all the apostles until the book of Revelation came. And far exceeds anything that Paul talked about in the end time when he was talking about revelation, okay? And Paul never taught you're saved by faith alone. Jesus when he appeared to Paul, his first message to him was, teach repentance among all nations. See, he didn't say, just teach belief. People who believe they're saved because they believe something are lost. The majority of professing Christians say, Lord, Lord. They believe, and yet they're going to end up in hell as lawless. What is lawless? It means their works are foul. They don't produce good fruit. See, so Jesus nullifies this nonsense of being saved by just confessing Jesus and believing something. That will not save a person. That will get a person in, but then they'll be lost. They can forfeit faith. See, people who don't repent and come to the Lord and don't bear fruit and don't obey the Lord are false Christians. That's what he wants them to know. John's epistle, he mentions seven or eight ways to tell what a true Christian is. And he never talks about grace or faith. See, because what he talks about tells you whether you have grace or faith. And so it's very plain. But most people don't want to believe the truth. And God's said himself, he would send a strong delusion, a lying spirit. Because they do not like the love of the truth, he'll send them a lie. See, people don't want to believe that. Oh, God is love on certain terms. God has goodwill toward everybody. And even the people he has goodwill toward, he's going to send to hell. See, it's a covenant. And those who don't come in the covenant and stay in the covenant will be lost eventually. We do live, regardless of what people want to believe, we live under probation. We have to be faithful during our time here on the earth. We have to persevere with the Lord. We have to remain. We have to overcome in a practical way. And that's why Jesus said to each church, he that overcomes, I will give something. He never once said they had overcome. See, they were overcomers in the present as they walked with the Lord. They had eternal life as they stayed with Christ. And when they didn't bear fruit and obey Him, eventually the Father cut them off from grace and they did not have eternal life. While Paul told the Galatians they were forfeiting, some of them were being lost because they were reverting to being saved by the works of the law, which is impossible. And he said, I'm praying that Christ be formed in you again. Well. He must have believed they were lost. Why did Christ have to be formed in them again? And then he also said, if you are justified by the works of the law, he says, you have fallen from grace. So the scripture teaches this, even though the majority of the Catholic and Protestant world does not believe this. And so out of the two billion that claim to be Christians, very few are Christians. Jesus himself in answering Peter said, The way is narrow and very difficult, and few there be that find it. Jesus said it would be as the time of Noah and Lot. Well, only one person was saved. The families got in because of them. But it was Noah that found grace with God. It was Lot who was considered righteous. So the masses of religion... The faults, as far as Jesus is concerned, they say, Lord, Lord. But he says, I never knew you. Why did he never know them? Because when they were born again, they did not produce fruit. They didn't follow an obedience. They still lived their own lives. So when the Christian so-called became the church for the masses in the third century, Constantine says he was converted because of a sign. So he made all... Of the Empire, the Roman Christians. But nothing changed. It was required. But they kept their other religion. That's called idolatry. They were not true Christians. They were false Christians. And that's how we got the Roman Catholic system the way it is. That's how we got the Roman and the Protestant systems how they are. Numbers mean nothing with God. People go find out that saying, Lord, Lord, is not going to get them anywhere. And Jesus, what did he say to them? And they were shocked. They talked about the good works that they did. But evidently, Jesus thought their works were lawless and wicked. And he said, I never knew you. You've professed to know me, but you've not followed me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I tell you? So it's the works and the obedience and the fruitfulness that proves whether a person's saved or not, not their mere confession. All of those multi-millions are going to say, Lord, Lord. It ain't going to get them into heaven. It's going to get them into hell. And people need to know this. This is the time that we live in. So John does not guarantee the future that you will overcome. He talks about a person coming to the Lord being an overcomer because he's following the Lord. He's turned to the Lord. Doesn't say he ever license the sin. Doesn't say he can live in gross sin and remain a Christian. You do not find that teaching in Scripture. You find that teaching among false churches. So, therefore, when Jesus tells each church that if they overcome, that was the if there, he nullifies the notion of once saved, always saved. So, to know each church's works and encourage them to overcome is what he gives each church. Many people say, well I read the in the book and we say doesn't say you're saved. <laughs> it says those who are faithful to Christ are saved. Most of them will be left here during the Great Tribulation. That's why I believe many will be saved during the Great Tribulation. They will have doctrine and some information and mental assent of God's word and they will be the ones who say, Lord, Lord, that aren't Christians, then they're going to realize they have to give their life because they weren't willing to live for the Lord and give their life in the present tense. A person that doesn't take up the cross daily, he's going to have to pay the price later one way or the other. So down at four, after he tells the good things that they did, he said, you've left your first love. Now, this is interesting, with the greatest command is to love the Lord, the God, with all your heart, mind, and strength. Duty is great and is expected. Obedience is expected. They were suffering for their Christian stand. Jesus commended them. He said they persevered and toiled. They should be. A true Christian would have to be. So he does compliment them for this, okay? correct doctrine is great. See, you can believe the right doctrine. I knew a minister who could teach like no one I'd ever known. And he was as lost as any man because he was living in adultery. For three years he lived in adultery, and yet he was still teaching, and he could teach. He knew the Word of God, but there's no proof he lived the Word of God, okay? And so, we're sad. Well, most. Ministers and teachers are false, but love of God is keeping His Word and will, and it must be personal. We must at times stir up zeal and affection. Many people, they give their life for the Lord and their religion, or they think is true, but they've forgotten the Lord and their devotion to Him, and the Lord said something interesting. What did He tell them? He said, I have something against you that you have left your first love. You've left me. You've had all these rules, and you've outwardly obeyed what I've told you, and that's good. But he said, but you've forgotten me. And he considered it backsliding. And he considered if they stayed in that state, they would be a lost Christian. Talking about the narrow path. Jesus made it very plain how narrow it was. So many feelings and affections, and they have no obedience. Thus, what is it? doesn't do them any good. The love of God is shed abroad in our spirit by the Holy Spirit, by communion with Christ. We must have oneness and unity and spiritual connection of the presence of God. When we first turn to the Lord, that's why I said, that's what I call it the first love. When people truly turn to the Lord the first time, they repented. Their life was changed. The burden was lifted. They understood that they had to give up their life and they had obeyed the Lord. We're his disciples. And like Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you. Well, see, obedience has to be there. Good works has to be a fruitfulness. But all of these mean nothing to the Lord if they forget him. See, he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy might and strength. So many people go through the form. Many people had the first love. They're still religious, and they still go to church, and they still do lots of good things, but they don't know the Lord's departed from them. So you don't give them that much time. This nonsense that God is the hound of heaven and strives with people for 30 and 40 years. You don't find that in Scripture. Not at all. You find that after a while the spirit withdraws. Or he sends a lying spirit when people don't want the truth. You don't play games with people. He doesn't wait until a person's old and on the deathbed the last five minutes and get them saved. A lot of people, millions are counting on the man on the cross. That was one exception. And that was before grace and before the new covenant. So many people think, well, I'll get right. I've heard people tell me that. I'll get right when I get old. And they never do because the Lord doesn't mess with them. See, he sees that they're playing with his grace and they don't want to live for God. But when they get ready to die, they get a little afraid. If they want to go to heaven, they say, oh, i got to make sure I'm right with God. They're hypocrites. And God knows how to answer the hypocrite. Okay, we know the story of the prodigal son and saw the mercy of the father to the wayward son, who then repented and received with joy of the father, yet the older son, and the brother we see is absent. He doesn't like this. That was under, well, let's read it real quickly. Under Luke, chapter 15, 27. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. That's what he wonders what's all this joy and commotion. He asked the servants. And he was angry, who was angry? The older brother, and would not go in. Therefore his father came and pleaded with him. So he answered his father and said, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time. And you never gave me a young goat that I might make, make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has the vow of your livelihood, he spent it on harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, who is this, the father? You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. What happened? It appears that the older son, he did all these good things, but he didn't have a true love or understanding of the father. He was waiting for the father to do all these things, and the father was astounded. He said, well, everything I had was yours. You could have thrown a party. I didn't have to do it. You could have done it on your own. You were faithful. But see, he was jealous of his younger brother, and he didn't have a proper relationship with the father. The young son, who became a wicked sinner, and the father said, he was dead to me. He was backslidden. He said, now he is alive again. At least the younger son... He had a proper understanding of the father, that if I come back to him, he will hopefully will forgive me, and he'll at least make me a servant. I don't expect to be a son anymore in relationship. See, so he had a proper, he didn't fear coming back to the father and humbling himself. But remember, the older son said, I've never transgressed. He was very self-righteous, too. So he didn't have a proper understanding or relationship with the father. And so he had lost, if he ever had, his first love. See, his obedience and everything he did to the father should have been out of his devotion and love. But it appears it was not. And therefore, the father was surprised that the son felt this way. He didn't understand this because, see, he didn't think that way. And so, whatever, nowhere in the Scripture does it say the youngest son retained all of the wealth and the father had already given it to him. He accepted him as his son and he would have to earn his way. He was higher than a servant, but there's no Scripture that says the father gave everything back to him. He understood the consequences of his past sins. And he would have been happy, he said, to be a servant. But the father lifted him up. You see, he acquired uh, his way with the father. He didn't take from the older son and give him things. He had to come another way. And we don't see in Scripture this happening. So the father said, son, you are ever with me, and all I have It's yours. It appears the older son didn't recognize this. He said, Well, I wanted to throw a party and you didn't give me a calf and stuff. The father was surprised. What do you mean I didn't give you everything I had was yours? You could take it in any time and have a party. And that would have been fine. But evidently the older son had a misunderstanding. He did not have a true love for the father. And it appears the youngest son, even in his failure, understood his father and came back. So he had no real love and communion with the father. Yet it was his fault. It was not the father's. The father loved both sons. The older seems to have understood duty and obedience and love and affection was lacking in his part. So this is what we find with the Church of Ephesus. Jesus commends them. You are perseverance. You don't tolerate false teachers. You test those who claim to be apostles and found them to be liars. You know the word, and you've remained and persevered. He said, under tribulation or troubles, and they should have. And he commends them for this. But then he says, I have something against you. You forgot me. See, that's what he's telling them. How serious was this? Well, we'll see it was very serious. And see, he'd left the child like state of the oldest son, and he saw the father in a different light. And therefore, he lost his relationship, which the father was willing to give him. Jesus said, And you have left your first love. What did they leave? Their deep love and devotion to Christ. When many of them first came to him, what happened when people came to the Lord out of these cult religions that were in the Roman Empire? They stopped their sinning. They stopped gross sinning. They obeyed the Lord. They stopped wickedness. They started to live right. That's why the people of the world hated them. They changed and they had a love for the Lord. And he expected that. The law said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, not only includes obedience and duty, it means relationship, emotional, feeling, devotion. This is what he was talking about. So this is a dangerous thing that some of the true churches fell into. But the church of Ephesus would have lost this single-hearted devotion to him holy in lifestyle, and they wanted the truth. They should not have forgotten this, but they did. And what does he say? Verse 5, Therefore remember from where you have fallen, that's a hard word there, and repent and do the works you did at first, or else he gives them a threat. I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place. What is Christ telling them? You will no longer be a Christian. You will no longer be a Christian church. I will remove myself. That's what it means. To fall, they fell from grace. The majority of the church was lacking. That means that every individual was in that category. As a whole, like when Paul was talking to the Corinthians, he commended some and he reproved others. So he was same thing with the epistle of James. He commends and he reproves. And some people fit in different categories. So if God had come to Christ, and if he had taken the lampstand away, it would not have been the church of Ephesus. There would have been some candles left that were serving the Lord, but they would not have been a viable church, which seems to be very important to the Lord. He said, I'll take your lampstand. Who is the lampstand? The lampstand is Christ and the Holy Spirit that gives life to the church. He said, I will remove you if you don't repent. He didn't talk about he gives them a lot of space and time here. He said, out of this place. So twice he says, unless you repent. Repent means what? You have said, you have failed, and you need to come back. That's what repent means, to turn around and come back. The same as Paul was speaking to the Galatians, some of them had forfeited grace and fallen from grace because they went back to the law. And Paul said, oh, I'm praying that Christ will be formed in you again. Did he believe you could lose your salvation? Well, obviously he did. He refutes those who distorted his words. He refutes them as false teachers, okay? And so he warned them of these things. Now, Christ is addressed the most, like we said, but not all in this church. Like the epistles, he covers different problems and groups. Therefore, this reason, you'll fall and leaving your first love, what fall? They fell. See, people sometimes don't want to realize that they're lost. That they need to get saved again. They need to come back to the Lord. Oh, I've heard people say, Oh, well, I rededicate. Well, if you rededicated your life, it means you were lost. I used to hear this all the time in the Calvinistic church. Every week, a lot of the people and young people would set it up and come back and rededicate. It's because they were never saved. They never stopped fornicating. See, they didn't understand what true Christianity is. The Bible doesn't tolerate that. Any person who claims to be a Christian who lives in any gross sin, that means abides in it, practices it, he said, they'll not make it to heaven. Why won't they make it to heaven? Because they're not Christians. See, that was Paul's theology. He named 22 sins, and then he said, and the such like, in case I miss any, he said, those who practice these things will not make it. He said, they will not enter the kingdom of God. See he makes it so plain and people just want to dance around it. But what did Peter say? To their own destruction. See, if you don't accept the word and the truth of the word, you're playing with the lying spirit. And the majority of Christians are false. And they're playing with lying spirits and they think they're okay. And they go stand speechless before the Lord. It means they'll have no answer once the truth comes out. They won't know what to say other than these multitudes. They'll start to fall back on some good works that they did. And yet Jesus said, but you were lawless. Your lifestyle was wicked. So it did not matter that you did some good things. (laughs) James says, he that offends at one point of the law has broken the whole law. Same applies to the Christian. You can keep all the commandments like the rich young ruler. But you could be living in adultery, and it nullifies everything else and makes you a non-Christian if you stay in that. See, that's why Paul told the man who was having an adulterous affair with his stepmother. Paul was shocked that the elders hadn't already thrown him out. He said, that wicked person. Nowhere in Scripture is a Christian called a wicked person. He told him to turn him over to the devil and perhaps he'll come back. That's what t- he did. He repented and he came back. And then uh, the poor Corinthians, they went the other way. They don't want to forgive him. And Paul said, well, you got to receive him if he's truly repentant, lest he be taken with sorrow and too much. So we see that even Paul believed the person could repent and come back to the Lord. But their conditions, they had To repent. The early church did not accept people living in gross sin like they do today. Well, it's because they're not true churches. They say, well, just love them and nobody's perfect. Sounds like uh, we're going to find out another church what we deal with. They're not Christians. The shepherds are false for not reproving them. Why? Even God himself said when he was dealing with Ezekiel and the false prophets, he said, were they true prophets? He said, they would have turned my people from their evil ways and their evil doings. That's what a true minister does. He doesn't allow a person to stay in wickedness. The early church either got them to repent or they threw them out. They didn't communicate with them spiritually. They broke fellowship with them. Uh, They were showing them that the Holy Spirit has broke fellowship with you. But not today. We are open. I see signs around town. Everybody's welcome. Well, in Paul's church, everybody wasn't welcome. If you did not repent and live for the Lord, you were not welcome. If you caused problems, you were not welcome. If you were false, you were not welcome. And here Jesus talks to Ephesus and commends them for the false prophets that came in. And they tried to claim to be apostles like John. See, John was gone in prison and they crept in and he said, and you've tested them and proven that they're liars. <laughs> See, not only what they believed, but what they taught, the church understood how to deal with them. They didn't say, oh, we just love them anyway and, and let them espouse their heresies. That's false. That's why we have so many false ministers and teachers who will receive the greater damnation they're cowards. Many of these ministers and teachers, they're afraid of the people. They want to give the people what they want. They want to be liked. See? They want to be paid. They want to be lifted up by the people. See? They don't understand the cross life. They don't understand tribulation. Christ said would come to those who were his. But see, they can't put up with that. So they tell the people what they want to hear. They give them what they want to hear. What did Ezekiel say? The Lord said through Ezekiel. He said the priests rule by their own authority. These were the teachers. And the prophets prophesy falsely. He said, but the people love it so. But what will they do in the end? We know what they're going to do. They'll be cast into the lake of fire. That's what's going to happen to these people. And it hasn't changed. And we're living on the dark side. It's getting worse than it was during Jesus' time. That's why I said very few would be saved. Okay? And so we see they're standing with Christ they had lost. What did they lose? What did they fall from? Grace and God's favor. Okay? And what was his answer? Repent. This means you have backslidden, you have turned from the Lord in your heart. Isn't that astounding? They were doing so much good. They were like the rich young ruler. He used his money for good, and he did a lot, and Jesus commended him. He said, but you missed one thing. He said, I want you to sell everything you have and follow the Lord. See, he loved his money too much. He broke in the commandment and I shall not covet. He couldn't do it. And the Scripture says he went away sorrowful. Yet Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he was a little man, and he was up in the tree when Jesus walked by, and he came down, and he went up to Jesus. See, everybody thought he was a thief. They didn't like tax collectors. And he went up to Jesus, and he said, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor, And if I've stolen anything, he was quoting the law, I will return four times as much. And what did Jesus say? He said, he looked at the people and said, truly, this is the son of Abraham. He didn't say to him, go sell the other half. He still had money, plenty of money. But his heart was right. And he wasn't bound by the money. And it didn't rule him. And he had entered into a dollar trade. And Jesus said, truly, This is the son of Abraham. He was saying this is a true Jew. We could say he was saying to him he's saved according to the Jewish law and the covenant. See, Jesus dealt differently with different people. That's why he doesn't allow Christians to do certain things, and he allows other Christians to do certain things, because he knows their weaknesses, and one Christian doesn't have a problem. The other does. Or had a problem, so he has to be careful what he does in those areas. But he said to them, as a whole, he was telling them, repent and do your first works over. As a Christian repents of his sin, if he does not repent, the blood will not remove the sin. Even Jesus speaking to the apostles. Speaking in Hebrews said, he that willfully sins after knowledge of the truth, there is no for no more sacrifice of sin. If a person knows their gross sin, all of their confessing doesn't do a bit of good. See, all their willful sinning will get them lost. He said, turn, confess, and repent. Proverbs says an interesting. He that confesses his faults, and turns away shall find mercy. He has to turn away. See? We're just told today, all you have to do is confess Jesus and you're saved. That's a lie. The devils believe Jesus is the Lord. The majority of false Christians believe that Jesus died on a cross and he's Lord, and they're going to end up in the lake of fire. See? That's why John doesn't mention faith and grace. He figured Paul had mentioned enough of those things. He talked about what faith and grace produces. The same thing in the seven churches. He doesn't mention too much grace or faith. He tells them what they do, either keeps them with God or doesn't. It's the acts. And when you see the word deeds, it means works. People don't like you said, oh, works, works. Oh, we're afraid of works. We better not live any good works. We don't want to be a hypocrite and self-righteous. No, you want to end up in hell and a lake of fire. That's what will happen to these people. Let's take a break here.